1: Sun Mountain Golf Bags, Finn Scooters, Making the Game More
0: Fun, Hiddell Golf, Hit It, Flip It, Dial It In, and the Mecklemore Club Experience, Live Above the Clouds. Now, here's your
1: host, Chris Mascaro. Hey, good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me tonight on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. On the show tonight, if you've got a problem in your game, anywhere from T to green, we're going to give you some tips for how to fix it. But before we get to that, I want to thank all of you again for voting next on the tee up to number two in the Podcast Magazine Hot 50 list for their June edition. You guys are so great. I'm so thankful for all of your support. We've got one goal left to reach, and that's getting to number one. You can vote daily for your favorite podcast by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. So please go on there and vote for next on the T. I I really appreciate, again, all of your wonderful support. Okay, on to tonight's show. I've got three of the top instructors in the game that are going to join me tonight. First up will be the pride of Rochester, New York, Brian Jacobs. Brian is annually named one of the best instructors in the state of New York. He's also a huge Bills fan, so since my Steelers beat them last season, doesn't matter what their overall records were. You know I got to rub a little salt in that wound, so we'll do that. I also want to get his thoughts on the Live Tour, the U.S. Open, plus some playing lessons as well. Brian is going to join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visit from 2010 LPGA National Teacher of the Year, Cindy Miller. Cindy is another one of the top instructors from upstate New York. She's from just outside of the Buffalo area. I want to get her thoughts on the live tour. I'm interested in getting the female perspective tonight, especially since there's whispers in the wind that there may be a women's live tour. We'll also get some tips from Cindy on how to fix our slice, plus how to stay calm after we've hit a wayward shot or two. Looking forward to having Cindy back as part of the show. She'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Following her, I'll be joined by LPGA Professional Hall of Famer, Nancy Corsolino. Nancy has been at so many great events over the course of her career. want to hear about some of those, particularly what it was like serving as the host professional for the 1992 Sarah Lee Classic. We'll also get some playing lessons for how to get a little more distance out of our driver, how to hit that pitch shot when we've short-sighted ourselves and we need to hit the shot high and soft and have it land fast plus how to know if and when we need to flare our toes out at our setup. So looking forward to having Nancy back. She'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from David Purcell. David is the owner of Purcell Farms, which is the number one rated course in the state of Alabama. We'll hear about the cool stuff they've got going on there. They've done some recent renovations to the course, plus what makes their course such a great place to go stay and play. David will join me about an hour from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the McLemore. As you guys know, my buddies and I were there again a few weeks ago for our annual golf trip. It was even better the second time around. Everything about the place is first class. The accommodations that we had there were fantastic. The practice facility is great and got even better with the opening of their new Himalayas putting course. The on-premise restaurant, which is called The Craig, has outstanding food and service. And to say the course is spectacular is an understatement. Can't say enough great things about the place, folks. Go online to com to see how wonderful it is for yourself. The course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones, our friend and PGA Tour caddy, and one of my guests last week, Kip Henley said outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000, and Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all singing its praises by going online to themaclemore.com. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf is an interesting game, because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their all-new Stealth Irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a cap-back design and a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance throughout the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less-than-perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade. Beyond Driven. Okay, now back in making his 10th appearance with me here on the show is Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate and then his master's in education from State University, of New York at Brockport. He became a PGA assistant director of instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the Director of Golf Instruction and a Hank Haney Certified Instructor at Arandaqua Country Club there in Rochester. In 2014, he became a lead instructor on Golf Channel Academy. In 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridgemont Country Club. He has been named a Top 100 Instructor by Golf Range America, one of the top instructors in the state of New York by Golf Digest. He's a two-time recipient of the Western New York PGA Section Teacher of the Year Award, the Player Development Award, the Bill Strasbaugh Award, and the Horton Smith Award. I've got my Brian Jacobs golf t-shirt on out of my deep respect for him, and I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, how are you, my friend?
0: Hey, Chris. (laughs) Great to be back on. Thanks so much for that introduction. Wow. Uh, I'm getting old. (laughs) Ten times. Fantastic.
1: It is fantastic. I can't thank you enough for being a part of the show this many times, Brian. Privilege. Brian, before we get into all the golf stuff, you know I got to poke the bear. You're a huge Bills fan. Your boys came close to making it to back-to-back Super Bowls, really, the last couple of seasons, but they lost to my Steelers to start off last season in week one. Unfortunately, that was the best part of the season for me. But how do you feel about uh, your Bills this upcoming season?
0: Oh, I, feel uh, I feel great. I feel great. They had a good draft. They had a great uh, free agency period. I mean, to get somebody like Von Miller to come in and then, um uh, Crowder now too, is, uh, coming in to slot and, uh, Scavious White gets healthy. And, uh, everybody's back at camp now. They have their, uh, mandatory, uh, training camp here the next three days. So everybody's ready for football. <laughs> We're not ready for golf to end yet, but, uh, I love football. I can't wait for it to, to get started again. And, and somehow, I think that that loss uh, early in the season kind of woke them up right away. That you know, maybe we're not as good as we think we are, but, and we need to keep getting better. And so, uh, and they did. They had a great season.
1: And Brian, you've got a couple of current and former Bills as students up there, right?
0: I do. Yeah, I do, and they're they're awesome to work with. I've been involved with the culture for probably. Pretty close to 20 years now. And, uh, it's just, uh, great staff, uh, great women on the staff as well. And, um, really enjoying, uh, being around the guys and, uh, staff that I teach. And just everybody has the same message, which really, uh, makes you feel good, uh, that, you know, some people are not going one way and others are going the other way. They're all, they're all moving the same way. So, uh, watch out NFL. Uh, they're going to be scary. (laughs)
1: Brian, let's talk some golf. And the big news right now is all about the Live Tour. Give me your thoughts. What do you think about this new tour and the players that are going over there to play on it?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I have a lot of mixed emotion about it, to be honest. I've I've tried to research as much as I can and spread articles all the way from Wall Street Journal to, you know, uh, the common man in the local newspaper. Everybody has a difference of opinion, I will say. Just working with professional
1: athletes, uh,
0: you know, in my career, um, and being independent contractors, it's really hard to, you know, be, begrudge them for trying to make money, um, and to, you know, support themselves. Um, I'm not sure how much we need to be supported. Um, and the biggest argument seems to be like, where is the money coming from? And so, you know, and the political aspect of it. And so politics aside, um, at the root of it, I don't have a problem, um, with, with the league. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to handle world rankings and some of the other things, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It's, uh, I think initially, you know, people are upset, uh, you know, in the, in the golf world, uh, the common man and woman. But, uh, I think as it gets deeper into it, it'll be interesting to unpack all of this and, and see if, if the players will start to answer a little more candidly, like DJ did, you know, some of these guys and girls, um, and I've had this happen with some of my NFL players, you know, that were uh, pro bowlers, you know, and high level, they just don't like playing that much, you know, it gets to be a job job. You know, we, we look at it like uh, it's fun and games all the time, but it's a job for them. And there's a lot of travel and, a lot of time away from their families and a lot of expense, you know, to pay your caddy and insurances and all the other things that we, we do. So, um, you know, even at the golf schools that I have this weekend, that seemed to be the big topic. We, we had a dinner last night with the, the customers and their spouses and the spouses were, you know, kind of going crazy about it. So it'll be interesting, I think, to see, you know, how it all plays out. And, I'll keep doing my research. Right now, I'm kind of a a Switzerland on it. I think there's some good that will come out. And I think that initially, when anything there's change, I think we'll kind of move towards the negative right away. And, um, you know, that could be bad.
1: Brian, you mentioned the word upset, and that's what I uh, get as well. I think the PGA Tour right now is just upset. That there's a rival league and players are defecting and going over there and playing on that league. Is there an opportunity you think down the road? Because we know the Saudi tour is back for at least three seasons. Can there be a bridge back and forth? Can we have a kumbaya? Can cooler heads prevail? I think so.
0: I think, you know, time heals all wounds. Um, I think, you know, both sides need to be really careful about how they talk. And, um, you know, you hear people are traitors and, and other things, I, I kind of imagine it would be kind of like the AFL and the NFL or the, you know, the ABC and the, you know, the uh, American basketball and, and the NBA, you know, there's always been some kind of disparity in sport where, um, you know, someone maybe was unhappy or even like free agency. When you look at baseball, uh, uh with Kurt, Kurt Flood, you know, he, Um, You know, fuck the system and uh, arguably, you know, it it hurt his career, obviously, but it changed everything as well. So I guess I look at it that way that um, I try to put all the politics aside and just say, you know, what's the end game? Obviously, it's money, Uh, but it might be also that, look, if I can play four times a year and make, you know, 120 million, and play four times in the in you know, on the PGA tour and possibly make nothing, I would take the guarantee. I think if you ask the man on the street to really sit down and think about it, they'd all do it. You know, if they could support their family that way. And I think that's kind of been the pat answer out of all the players. It's you know, I can play less, I can be with my family more or be do what I want to do more. Um and you know, other players like Rory and JT and have been vocal as well. And said, you know, this is what I choose to do. So I hope that, uh, cooler heads will prevail and, and that they'll work all this out and that I don't know if you have to be friends, but it, sh- it should be good for the game. Like everything that's being done. Um, I think so that would kind of be my, my answer.
1: Brian, let's switch gears. And here we are in US Open week. What are you looking forward to seeing this week at the country club at one of the most historic golf courses in our game? Well,
0: <laughs> I'm hoping really hard conditions, number one. I'd I love the majors to be difficult. Um, not o- well, Maybe overpower would be cool for a win. Um, but I don't know. I'd love to see Tony Finau win. I just, I like that kid, you know, and it was good to see Rory win too last week. And, um, I would love to see a really tight race, you know, not anybody run away with it and, and see some of the, the, maybe some up and comers, you know, love to see Scotty Shuffler compete. I'd love to see Jordan Spieth compete, uh, for it. And I think it would be pretty awesome to see, uh, somebody, something like that happen. Uh, and I, you know, even Ricky Fowler, not at the cost of somebody else, but I know that he's an alternate and I'd love to see him get in. And, maybe win it, I think that would be a cool story.
1: Brian, as you alluded to a moment ago, you just finished up a two-day school with Colin Swatton, who people will know as Jason Day's longtime former coach. Talk about what you guys are doing together.
0: Oh, it's great. We actually tried about five years ago to do something, and then uh, we just had a really difficult time trying finding the market. Um, and, and in a way, COVID helped a little bit because people want to be together again, they're they're adamant about being together. So I called them a few weeks ago and I said, Hey, why don't we try to revive this uh you know experience that we can offer and so we we did sold two days. Uh one was uh public day and then the other one was a corporate day. Uh so we saw twenty three students in two days um and really had just a lot of fun. Um for me as a teacher and kind of being alone all the time, um it's hard to get away. It's hard to see other teachers. And I try my hardest to get on other lesson tees and watch other teachers teach. And, uh, you know, Colin can can really teach. Um, And and as we spoke at dinner, you know, he was very complimentary of me and I of him. And and, um, it's just good to see things presented a different way. Um, And uh, many of my students, my current students, were there with guests and it was, in, it was interesting to watch them shake their heads, know the answers. Uh, so no, I knew I was doing a good job with them. And then just the joy, uh, when we got out on the golf course. So a lot of the golf schools that I've worked in the past, we never got on the golf course. And so we, we really committed to, you know, making sure that a customer was out in the golf course and we were reinforcing the play part. Uh, and so we, went out and I, I have a little game I call earn it back. And so everybody starts on the forward tee. And if you make a birdie, you get to go back a T tee box. Um, and so it was fun to watch the teams, you know, make birdies. And they're not used to making birdies, you know. Uh, so one team had six birdies. So six in a row, they were already to the back tees as a team by the fifth hole. Um And so it was fun to watch them, you know, play. And they're like, we have never made this many birdies, you know, like, and I'm like, well, why is it happening? Well, it must be your teaching. It must be the golf school. I'm like, no, you're seeing things different. You're visualizing things different, and you learned how to get it rolling. So I really encourage uh people to get forward, you know, and play and just see what it's like to be a tour player, you know, play from a short distance and just make a lot of birdies. And see what it's like. It's actually a lot of fun. It's a lot better than playing at 7, you know, 7,400 and, you know, bludgeoning yourself. <laughs> you know, with your club every week.
1: (laughs) Brian, I want to get some playing lessons from you tonight, starting on the tee box. For those of us who struggle hitting our driver straight, what are some things we can do to get the club face square at contact?
0: No, that's great. I think the first thing we have to look at, and it sounds like a pat answer, but you have to look at your grip. Number one, um, you know, we saw it a lot this weekend where grips were, you know, all over the place. And so our, the grip is the only contact you have with the golf club and your hands swing the club. Um, I know there's a lot of theory out there that it's, you know, golf is a mental game, but your mind doesn't move the golf club. Um, and so a solid grip helps with the squaring of the club face. And then, the uh, you know, you have, uh, as Colin puts it, you have a king and a queen, you know, or a marriage of the face and the path. And so if the face and the path match each other, then you have a happy marriage. And if they don't, if one goes one way and one goes the other, um, you know, you have to know how to get those things back in line. And so you, you find people working really, really, really hard, you know, not to slice it, but they'll, uh, aim far to the left. They'll close the club face out of dress. They'll have a very weak grip also. And then they'll swing out to in. And when the ball slices, they're shot. And you're like, well, let's take a look at this. And what if our toe line and the club face aimed right? And, and golf is a very counterintuitive game. It's so you have to aim right and swing right and close the face to make it go to the left or square the face to make it go to the left, assuming you're a right-hander. So why would we aim left, swing left? That will open the face. So um, the path and the face, they need to to get together. And I would encourage people just. Take lead hand swings just real slow and watch how their hand rotates. A lot of times their forearms will reverse, which means they'll turn to the sky. Their hand will turn to the sky. And simply if they just turn it the other way, um, which is actually more natural than turning it the opposite way, uh, as simple as that can help them. Um, and then place their trail hand on the club and do the same thing. Look at their palm. Is it square to the target? Is it left of the target? A lot of times it's left of the target line. So when we're training students, we'll actually set a toe line uh, with a rod, a ball position, and then also have a rod about six to eight feet away, um, and that's the end target. And so we challenge them to start the ball on one side and curve it to the other. So start it to the right, curve it to the left, and then they'll start to feel face rotation. And you know, did you feel that in your hands? And They'll be like, yeah, you know, why did I do this for all these years? And I'm like, I don't know. How many years have you been slicing it? <laughs> you know, and they'd be 20, you know, 20 years, 20 like, years. I would literally do it for 20 minutes and then I would be looking for someone to help me. So it's, it's, um, you get a lot of, uh, um, people that think they can figure it out on their own. And they can't. Um, you got a lot of YouTubers and, um, I would say this, too, even to maybe go off on a tangent. We get a lot of YouTubers that are, um, you know, they misdiagnose themselves. And then they go down a really bad path. Uh And one comment I always make at a golf school is, is you know, how many of you had lessons? Maybe one person will raise their hand. How many play with your friends? They all raise their hand. I said, you had lessons, then. So tell me what your friend shoots. He shoots a 100. Okay. What do you shoot? I shoot 90. Why do you listen to him for golf instruction if you're better? Well, you know, and then they start to think about it. And they're like, hey, yeah, why do I listen to him? And I'm like, I have no clue. You know, he's not trained or she's not trained to see it like we are. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting, you know, the perceptions that you have out there. And it's fun. And you have a lot of laughs. And, and so we spent the whole, Colin and I spent the whole weekend, you know, just changing ball flight, which literally takes just a few minutes. And then you can start to engage them a little bit more on pattern change, you know, like for permanent pattern change and the type of drills that they need to do and how long it might take. And um, and dealing with turf and wind and some of the other things that are out on the golf course that they really need to be focused on.
1: Brian, as all my listeners know, a greenside bunker shot is the worst place I could ever end up. If I hit a ball in a bunker, I'm already starting to get stressed out on my way up to whether i'm walking or driving whatever it is i'm already dreading this next shot and what happens is i either pick it clean and the ball goes flying a long distance or i open the face too much and i kind of glance off the sand and then i blade it way across the green what are some things that i and our listeners can do to hit better bunker shots and give ourselves a chance to get up and down
0: well i think some of the challenges are is understanding the difference between the bounce and the dig and the club the leading edge and the and the bounce of the club which you know already and then also body position you know there's this this fallacy out there that everybody needs to open their body position to hit a a green side bunker it's not true you can be shut and hit a green side bunker shot as well you can have the face closed and hit a green side bunker shot the the first thing I would look at is what kind of sand is it? Is it soft or is it hard? Because it makes a difference on whether you use the bounce or the dig. The other thing too uh, is is a lot of times in once there's contact on the golf ball, the arms typically stop for a player. The body stops. So you know, I was always taught, and I've always taught. You know, we need to finish. Um, and number one. You know, you have to get it out of there. it's not selling it either. That's not getting it out of there. That's a penalty uh, in itself. So one of the drills that I use, it's kind of fun. If you have two alignment rods, you just lay them down in the sand. And what you'll do is you'll set the bounce of the club, uh, the, the toe, maybe just a quarter of an inch open. And you just take your swing and you bounce the bounce off those alignment rods. Then what you'll do is take a little pile of sand and you Hit the sand, you bounce it there so that you can start to feel the turf, um, you know, or feel the sand. And then what you'll do is you'll put a ball on top of that. And so you'll have the rod, the sand and the ball. And then you knock the ball out. And then you do that maybe five or 10 times. And then you take the rods away and and you hit the shot. And so, uh, wear your whoop band if you have one or your Apple watch and look at your heart rate too. When you walk into the bunker, um, and if it gets elevated, you know, at, at 140 beats per minute, you're, you're, you're not able to make a good decision. So if you're panicking or having an anxiety attack, you know, before you go in there, just center breathe, just take a six count in and hold it for two and then seven out. Just walk in and, and, and I get in, in there and get in through the process as quick as you can. Um, that's another thing. People will just, you know, become a statue you know, in the bunker and you're like just walk in and hit it. You know, and, and uh it's not super technical, especially if you're an athlete. Um does grass do grass bunkers bother you or just sand?
1: Just sand.
0: Yeah. For for, you know, really, really good players, the grass bunkers bother them more than the sand. And for a uh, a good really good player, the sand is is awesome. So um, I would play around with the face a little bit. I think you're probably opening it too much and dropping or drooping the shaft too much. And you're probably at the same time leaning into your left side, which is telling the club that you want to use the dig. So the center of your body is getting past the golf ball, which causes you to thin it. And it goes to the right. Sounds like fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, can't hey, wait to try that like out. Me- <laughs> yeah, it's actually a fun drill, and if you have access to a, a lie board, uh, you can use that, too, at your club. Everybody has a fitting board, and you just do the same thing. Bounce the bounce into the board, pile of sand, hit the sand, ball on sand, hit the ball off the sand, take the board away. What's really cool is the imprint of the board is still left in the sand, so it leaves a really good image for the player, too, and you just knock it out, and then you um, go on your way.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to giving that a try. Thank you for that tip, Brian. I appreciate it. My game certainly needs it. Well,
0: then send me a video. I'm more than happy to help.
1: I can take it back. It. Brian, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and find you, whether it's on your website or it's over social media?
0: Yeah, my website, brianjacobsgolf.com. And uh, any social media is at Golf. Super simple. Uh, if you want to email, you can use the contact form and, um, I post pretty regular, uh, YouTube channel is at Brian Jacobs Golf. Also, there's tons of free content there, lots of drills and games and, um, all kinds of neat stuff. And I'm looking, uh, real soon to actually doing a completely new revamped video library with, uh, all the tricks of the trade and, and some, uh, practice drills and games that people can play, uh, really focused on random variable practice with people rather than block practice. And then really, really, really have always been focused on getting people out on the golf course and and getting them in situations so that they're prepared for when they play on the weekends.
1: Brian, it is always fun having you as part of this show. I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon. You're outstanding, my friend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You as well, Chris, I always enjoy it. And, uh, and uh, if week five, if you want to meander up here, you always got to seat next to me at a game.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Happy Early Father's Day, Brian. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. Looking forward to catching up with you again real soon. Thanks. Same to you. Take care, Brian. That is the great Brian Jacobs. BrianJacobsGolf.com, at Brian Jacobs Golf on both Twitter and Instagram. Brian is just fantastic. He is just one of the most positive, nice people that we have in this game. And take him up, folks. Get him videos of your golf swing. Reach out to him. He is just an outstanding individual and a great coach. So you marry those two things together. Great guy, great coach. He's going to have a very positive impact on your golf swing and your golf game. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Cindy Miller, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors starting with our friends over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Strixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Strixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Strixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Strixon offers a wide variety of personalized options while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Shrixon. Check them out online at Shrixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana, that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear, Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now back in making her eighth appearance with me here on Next on the T is 2010 LPGA National Teacher of the Year and just one of the great people you get to meet in this life, and that's Cindy Miller. Cindy is from Silver Creek, New York, which is about 45 miles southwest of Buffalo. Speaking of Buffalo with Brian Jacobs. She played her college golf as a walk-on, mind you, at the University of Miami. She served as team captain and helped Miami win back-to-back national championships In 1977 and 78. Cindy was named an All-American her senior year. She won the New York State M in 1978 and qualified for the LPGA Tour in 79. She competed on the LPGA Tour for a few years. She played in five U.S. Opens. She's a Class A LPGA professional. Golf Digest has named her one of the top 50 women teachers in America. In 2011, Cindy was inducted into the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. And on top of all of that, she's a fantastic speaker. So if your business is looking for a great keynote speaker, look no further than Cindy Miller. And I'm excited to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Cindy, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: How <laughs> awesome is Brian Jacobs? Brian Jacobs might be one of the nicest people in the world.
1: Agreed. He is, uh, he is just a fantastic human being. As are you, the two of you up there in, in upstate New York. Uh, not
2: that nice. I'm not that nice. I'm kind of a a witch. Stop. (laughs) I mean well. I mean well, though.
1: Cindy, catch us up. It's been a minute since we got to have you as part of this show. What's been going on with you so far in 2022?
2: The whole world is playing golf in Buffalo, New York. Is that right? Like, yeah, I just got my acuity thing. I got 44 students tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow. Good for you. 44 appointments. Yeah, it's... Like unbelievable, we have never been this busy. I'm working every day of the week, so thank God. It's you know it's a blessing. Buffalo people like their sports, so and everybody's trying to learn how to play golf, which is great.
1: Yes, it is.
2: I got one new thing. I got I got to tell you this. So we've got three beautiful children, right? You know, Kelly works for the Golf Channel. Jamie is my player. He's a plus three at a club here, and he qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am last year. And Matt is my nice kid who doesn't play golf very well, but he's nice. He's married. He's got two kids. So Jamie thinks he's cool, right? They get married. Oh, I don't think we want any kids. And okay, la di da da Well, what do you know? They're pregnant with twins.
1: <laughs> I know. I saw the video of them giving you the you announcement uh, that you posted on you Facebook. did not. I did.
2: Oh. oh, and then when he did that, because I didn't think they could get pregnant. And I said, you didn't videotape that, did you? He goes, yes, I did. I said, Who did you show that to? He goes, let's just say it's gone viral. <laughs> oh, my
1: God, you little brat. Anyway. Congrats. That's awesome. We can't No wait. doubt. Anyway. Cindy, I want to get your perspective on the Live Tour. What did you think about what you saw last week and about the guys going to play over there?
2: Ah. Uh. Well, to a guy who played on the PGA Tour for 15 years, he's a past champion life member who um, won a tournament and, and made over 150 cuts, so he's got that lifetime membership thing. And I got to tell you that I just, I don't like the animosity that it's causing. I think it would be fine if you were going to have seven or eight tournaments and it was kind of like a an entertainment league. That would be one thing. But, again, for these guys to resign from the tour, I, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. It's like, what are you doing? I, it, you know, your whole life you you work at your game to get good enough to be able to qualify for the tour. Then you qualify for the tour. Then you play on the tour. Then you win, a, you know, a tournament. Then you may, you, some of these guys will win a lot of majors and a lot of money. And And I just believe they're doing it. So what's your take?
1: I was initially very uneasy and disappointed that players were going to consider to go over there and play. And as we go back to the beginning of the year, people said, this isn't going to get off the ground. It's never going to happen and all that sort of stuff. And now, boom, here it has happened. But as a fan, I'm interested to see how this plays out. What comes from having two tours? How many players do go over there? What changes did the PGA Tour start to look at in format and whether it's no cuts or everybody gets paid, which is something I believe that the players should be getting all along. And I get that, you know, from a money perspective, this is generational money for a lot of the players that are going over there. But I still have an uneasy feeling about where all that money is coming from.
2: Well, you can be bought. We've all been paid, you know, I I was paid to go to Japan, right? Alan was paid. We went to Australia and played in a senior LPGA event and a, and a men's senior event. So you want the upfront money, right? Yeah. But to rival, I, I don't know. I just, I can't. Did you see Phil's interview last night? I did. I thought it was yesterday, but I that he looked terrible. Um, he clearly had practiced what he was going to say. And, and Alan said today, cause I said, you know, Chris is going to ask me about this live golf tour. What are we <laughs> going to say? What am I going to say? And he says, well, if this live tour, are, are they talking about how people can qualify to play on it? No, there's no road map for a young golfer. Like, oh, I want to play against the best players in the world. Well, you play junior golf, you play college golf, and then you go play on the mini tour and then you qualify for the tour. And, you know, that's not what this is about. This is all attainment that I feel. I don't know. So, now, let's look at the European tour event where the woman won, right? Yeah. Now, that's that's cool, right? That's something that, you know, we should do. But it's all within the
1: tours. So if Liv came along and they wanted to do the same thing on the women's side, so there was a women's tour, and I'm hearing whispers in the wind that that could be a thing. So if they came and were going to double or triple the size of the purses for a women's league, because there are only a couple of tournaments out on the LPGA Tour where they play for a total purse of $2 million. Do you think the LPGA Tour maybe even more vulnerable to the top players going over to play in an alternate league for live. And that might be the end of the LPGA tour. Yeah, it would
2: be, but I can't see them doing that because they don't really like women. Right. <laughs> um, and the LPGA tour owns the European tour. So the women's LPGA tour owns the women's European tour. Um, I don't know. I just, you got to be careful how close you get to your enemy.
1: You know? So let's take that a step further, Cindy. The LPGA Tour has a tournament each year now that's being held in Beijing, China. China has its own human rights issues. So much so that our government did a diplomatic boycott of the last Olympics. Is being involved in China something that the LPGA Tour really needs to take another look at?
2: Well... And where did COVID come from? I mean, that's changed the whole world, right? Right. And nobody wants... That's my opinion, you know. Nobody wants to investigate where it came from. Well, we know where it came from, how it got here. I mean, was it premeditated? Well, they hate us, you know. <laughs> Again, right. we, you can't pretend they are our friend. Right. That's, the, that's what scares me. I yeah. mean, the world has changed so much in the last two years. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. I mean, how much is gas? I mean, I don't want to get political, but it's like, this is crazy. All
1: right, let's switch gears a little bit. Looking ahead to next month, we have the LPGA Senior PGA Championship being held at Selena Country Club in Selena, Kansas. You going to be in the field?
2: Well, you know what? I'm in the field right this minute, and I don't want to say anything because if, like, nine people sign up, I'm out. If eight people sign up, I'm still in. And we got till June 29th when the entry deadline closed. So, yes, I've been hitting balls, and I was, I was practicing, and Alan said, you are something else. You're going to be 85 years old and trying to hit it better. I'm like, well, why not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, up. why not? Of
2: course I am. Some new irons, are a little lightweight, um, graphite shaft, so I can swing faster, and whatever. I, you know, again, I'm not dead yet. So if you're exempt, <laughs> why would you not go play? Would you play? Of course. Why wouldn't I? Find a caddy, though. He's not, he probably won't go with me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, I'm excited to see what's going on with the LPGA Legends Tour. Seems to be gaining traction. More events are being added. We just had the Legends Tour Challenge last week at Pinehurst. There are five more events coming up this summer, including the Senior LPGA Championship and the U.S. Senior Women's Open in late August. Can we see this grow into a full-fledged tour, maybe 10 or 12 tournaments a year?
2: I don't know. I hope so, but I don't know. And again, most of these events are invitational, Um, so it's only 30 or 40 people that get invited by their friends. So is it a tour? Or is it an invitational? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do Um Is there a place for Legends for players? Is there a value? And I would say, yes, there is. And I said, we've got some new leadership, and I'm excited about that. And, again, I'm kind of old. So my competitive playing days, you know, I was never that good anyway. I was always a token field filler, but now I'm really good at teaching and people skills. So I even said to Kathy Harbin, who's helping to run it, I don't need to play in the tournament, but you need to have me do the corporate outing. You need to have me do the women's clinic. You know, I don't need to compete against Annika. I don't need to prove anything. I'm too old for that, right? But there is a place. I mean, I just did two events today, one for Jim Kelly's group. And one for Children's Hospital, all the women that run Children's Hospital, right? CEO and the, all that stuff. So why? Because they need to learn how, how to play business golf. So that's where you use me. So will the tour grow? Uh, I sure hope so. We've been trying to do it for a long time. They've got, you know, the, I didn't know about the Pro-Am and I asked Kathy Johnson Forbes ran the one right the senior LPGA championship hopefully i get in the land of lakes i won't get in cuz there's only 40 people the senior open i'm going to try the bj's charity classic they want ellen and i to come and teach and the rosie jones invitational which is great you know all these things are great but there's going to be 30 or 40 players so it's not really a tour it's invitational but you know it, they're great players i mean you look at the scores who won the last one uh Jackie Gallagher Smith shot sixty eight was tied and won in the playoff. I mean, so these girls can play you know mm-hmm. again, but is there value in experienced women former score players? Yes, there is, and I believe if they did a mixture of corporate outing, helping women learn how to use the game of golf as a business tool, and so entertainment, inspiration, and maybe education that now we got something we could sell
1: right. And on top of that, you talk about the word value. I had Jane Blalock on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about the unprecedented access that fans get to the players at an LPGA Legends event. At any other professional tournament, the closest we can get to a player is maybe 20 or 30 yards unless they've unfortunately hit one into the crowd. But talk about the access fans get to the players at a Legends event.
2: Well, there's no rope. (laughs) I mean, you could just walk up to the T-Bar. And again, here's the other thing, and this may sound bad, but when we were younger and all on the tour, they taught us how to handle the fans and be friendly and nice. So if there's one thing that everyone on the Legends Tour does, is we're so nice to the fan and we're welcoming and we'll talk to them. Uh, and, you know, we do clinics. We did a clinic. We had a pro-am at Chautauqua last year. We did a junior clinic. I said, you know, everybody come on up here. Had a couple kids hit balls. I mean, it's very, it's educational. And again, you're approachable and you get to participate, which, you know, where else are you going to be able to do that?
1: Right. And the other thing I love about the LPGA Legends event is I can relate to how far you hit the ball. I can't relate at all to how you score, but the distance you hit the ball is pretty similar to what I do. I can't relate at all to the men out on the PGA Tour when they're carrying their tee shots 330-plus yards and it rolls out to 370. So I think most of us can gain more by watching you and your peers play because we can actually learn from you.
2: And And, and you figure out that, you know, wow, it's not how hard you try to hit it, it's how well, you strike the ball and how you can, you know, maneuver the golf course, if you will, and knowing how to hit shots to the right place. A- again, when I first started trying to play with these girls, I played with somebody that um didn't hit it very good, and she beat me. And I I told you I'm a brat, and driving home with Alan, and I go, I can't believe she beat me. And she, you turn and look at me and goes, she misses it better than you. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, she misses it better than you. And I'm like, I never, I w- I'm trying to hit perfect shots, right? Being a high D personality, you know, control freak. And this girl was just plotting along, just like Alan does, right? Here, yeah, fairways and green, fairways and green. What'd you shoot for <laughs> under? Really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so again, learn learn how to miss it core better. There you go. So, yeah. Time to look in the mirror, right?
1: (laughs) Cindy, one more before I let you go, and I've got to get a playing lesson from you. And you have a wonderful drill that I've started using. If I start slicing the ball off the tee, talk about putting your feet together and taking a nice, easy swing and how that's going to help us fix our slice.
2: Okay, so number one, you need to know that the ball goes to the right because the face is pointed to the right. Okay? Okay. So now we gotta say, okay, why is the face pointed to the right? Well, I heard you talking with Brian about YouTubers, okay, and I'm not gonna badmouth anybody, but when you're searching for a solution and you incorrectly diagnose yourself, you're gonna tend to work on something that probably won't be in your own best interest. So why does the ball, why is the face open? Well, if you're trying, let's say you're right-handed and you're trying to keep your left arm straight and you turn back and then you try to get all your weight to your left side, you're out skating the puck and you're ahead of the ball and the face is behind it. So the face has no other option but to shove the ball away to the right. Make sense? does. So now what you have to say to yourself is, wait a minute, you don't want me to move? I go, no, I don't want you to move. I want your sternum to be still like you're spiked to a pole. And I want you to keep your feet close together, and I want you to swing the club head back and through. Now, if you swing the club head back and through and you relax your left arm, you're going to allow the face to catch up with the grip. Hold in your hand and swing it back to the top of your backswing. The club head went back further than your left arm, Right. Right. Well, if you pull down with your left arm, where's the face? Wide open. So how do you square up the face? You throw the face with your right palm towards the ball. Really? Yes, with your right hand. Why? Because you gotta bring the club head back to the ball to get squared up. The other thing is if you're a visual, you know, when you swing it back, the grip's gonna go away from you. Now you gotta get the grip back to your tummy. How do you get your grip back to your tummy? You gotta throw the head. Well, what's that going to do? It's going to cause you to have club head speed. <laughs> not body speed, club head speed. Right? Right. So, again, if you're if you're thinking, I got it, you know, in the committee of they, oh, keep your head down, keep your arms straight, you got to shift or rotate. Well, the more you rotate, you're out skating the puck, the ball's got to go to the right. If you really, truly want to fix, you know, the ball flight and make the ball go straight, then you got to stop and say, well, why is the face not straight? why is the ball going to the right, right? Well, the ball is going to the right because you're out skating the puck, so now you've got to throw the face, square up the face, to make the ball go straight. And if you put your feet together, you can't move forward. Now, I've got to tell you, when I first met Alan a 1,000 years ago, um, I was at the University of Miami, and he was playing in a PGA Tour event at Doral, and I went to watch him play because a friend was caddying for him. And he put me on the driving range, and he had me stand with my left foot on a range ball. A range bucket, right? Yeah. So I'm standing there with my left foot on this bucket, you know, 12 inches off the ground. And I go, why am I doing this? So you can't move forward. Why? Well, then you can't come over the top. So again, you got to stay in position. And the perfect example of that is not only thinking outcome instead of um, process, but on the 18th hole at the Or the 72nd hole at the PGA championship. With, is it Mito?
1: Mito Pereira?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you, you watch the replay and Dottie Pepper was like, wow, he didn't even, he couldn't even follow through. He was so ahead of that ball. Again, he's thinking outcome. I got to skink it in a fair way. Don't think I have never thought that. I've choked my guts out thousands of times. But again, he got so ahead of it trying to control where it was going. That it went dead right in the water, so you've got to stay back and stay in position. That's my playing lesson for you.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. I have needed it and used that one, so thank you for sharing it.
2: Yeah, you want to send me a video? Send me a video. And anybody who wants to send me a video, send me a video. Send me at CindyMillerGolf.com. dot com. I'd love to help. There and you that's go. Part of it, I I I never wanted to teach golf. I. When Alan said he wanted to teach, I was like, are you kidding me? I hate golf. I'm mad at golf. Why? Because I wasn't as good as I wanted to be, right? But I didn't understand it. And thankfully, you know, one of the reasons I asked them to marry me was for free lessons. <laughs> and it's 41 years later. <laughs> right? And now I get it. And now, you know, I don't want to train him in. I've trained, trained them too well. But anyway, the point being is He made me understand the golf point because I never did. And I hate to admit that because I even played on the tour and didn't know what I was doing. So that's why I love helping people. Nobody's trying to hit it bad. We're all trying to hit it good. Right. But there's so much bad advice. There's so much. And then you got 14,000 thoughts going through your head and then you can't swing the club. I love helping people get
1: better. Cindy, let everybody know how you can help them whether it's going on your website or following you on social media?
2: Cindy at cindymillergolf.com. cindymillergolf.com is my website. Um, And everything with social media is at Cindy Miller Golf. And there is a Cindy Miller Golf YouTube channel. There's not that many videos on it. I probably need to send some more of those. But I must tell you that we are creating the Own Your Game Academy that's going to be online, so we don't care where you live, uh, it's going to be all kinds of video stuff and lessons, and basically it's going to be improving your game from the inside out. You're going to do golf assessments, what kind of per- personality assessments, learning style assessments. Do you want to hear it, see it, or feel it? And then all kinds of instructions to improve your whole game. Cindy at com.
1: Cindy, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. You always make this segment so much fun. I always enjoy spending time with you. I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Thanks, honey. I love you, too. You're the best. I appreciate you. Say hello to Alan. All the best to you and the family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Have a great one. Bye-bye. That is the great Cindy Miller, folks. Send her videos of your golf swing. Cindy at com. Follow her on social media at cindymillergolf. Website, CindyMillerGolf.com. Just a wonderful individual, a great teacher. She works with you on our level. and be sure to go check out her YouTube channel. That's where I found the one that's helping me with my slice. So that drill, I refer back to that all the time. Ball starts going to the right, I start go back to that drill, start all over again, build my swing back up. But she's got a lot of great free videos for you on there. Looking forward to having Cindy back on the show again, hopefully real soon. Before I get to my next guest, Nancy Corsalino. I want to talk to you about our friends over at Adele Golf. Have you been custom fit for your putter or even for your wedges? Adele Golf is the industry leader in scoring club fitting. Their putter fitting system is the most complete putter fitting system in golf. The EAS line of putters can get your putting dialed in. Also check out their swing match system wedges with weight adjustability to make sure your wedges are truly fit to your swing. Go to adelgolf.com and schedule your fitting today. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares Toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, and an average of nine yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee, and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is one of the most decorated instructors in our game and that's Nancy Corsolino. Nancy played her college golf at Western Kentucky University, where she became a member of the school's first women's golf team because she helped get it started. After she graduated, she moved on to Florida State University, where she earned her Master of Science degree. And a few years ago, she was inducted into the FSU Hall of Distinguished Alumni. In 1986, she was elected as the first female Class A PGA professional in the state of Tennessee. In 2019, she was awarded the LPGA L. Griffin Rolex Award for her contributions to teaching the game. In 2020, she was the recipient of the Tennessee PGA Distinguished Career Award. She is a three-time Tennessee PGA Teacher of the Year. She's annually one of Golf Magazine's Top 100 Teachers. She was the 2000 LPGA National Teacher of the Year. The LPGA has already named her a Top 50 Teacher for the year 2022-23. She's a member of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Hall of Fame, and I'm extremely honored to have her back again with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Nancy, thanks for coming back on the show.
3: Oh, uh, Chris, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Nancy, the big uproar in our game right now is this new live tour. What's your perspective on it?
3: You know, um, I have to tell you that I am an independent contractor, a uh, teacher, uh, so I, have the situation that a lot of these people are in that decide where they want to go and play and what they want to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with them going and chasing the money and, and getting out there and, and, and possibly a lot of these young PGA professionals that, that may take years to make this kind of money that they're making. uh, You know, I, I, I'm okay with what they've done and and their decisions. It's their decision, and um, so you know what? Uh, it's it's just all part of golf. And I'm, you know, I still am going to watch uh, the the PGA tour. I'm still going to watch the LPGA tour. And I'm and I know that this live golf is uh, the uproar right now, and uh, as it as it should be. Uh, I really am okay with. Uh, the people that have decided to go play and make that their choice. And I think that's what the golf game is, is, is a choice when they're an independent contractor. So, uh, um, but, you know, I'm not a uh, PGA m- member on the tour and, uh, I'm not one of those people that, um, that have that or know that like Tindy's husband, Alan, uh, that knows what the tour has done and my, Head professional director of golf is Harry Taylor, who used to be the tailor of TaylorMade, And he was on the tour for that, and I asked him what he thought. He said, you know, I was a, I was a no-name player. I was not somebody that won a lot of tournaments, and I don't know whether I could turn that down and turn that money down. So I think it's a choice, and uh, they've made that choice. And uh, like Bryson has said in some of his interviews, it's a business decision for him to have more time uh, with his upcoming family and more time. And I think, you know, the the one person that maybe uh, we're not hearing a lot from is those caddies are able to make more money as well. So I don't know. I mean, I I'm just one of those that I'm an independent contractor. And I know a lot of the PGA pros and the tour players are, they are independent contractors. That's just my take.
1: And Nancy, I'm hearing whispers in the wind that there may be a potential women's live tour. If the guys over on the, the live side came over and started knocking on the door of the LPGA stars, is that something the LPGA tour could withstand?
3: Yeah, I don't know whether that can survive that or not. Uh, I think it would be very difficult uh, money to turn down for these young women that are trying to make a living and not have to have another job down the road. And I think the LPGA has to do, uh they have to uh, head it up and get more sponsors and get more sponsor money. Plus, we have to get more viewership. Um And I think that that is. The one thing, I think the one thing that the USGA did with the Women's Open was give a little bit more viewership because of that purse and that winner of what they won. And, uh, I, I think, I don't know about the LPGA. I think the, that would be a tough one for the LPGA, uh, to have to deal with now, whether they partner a few tournaments or whatever. I don't know, like the USGA has done. And, uh, I think that Mike Juan and the USGA are in the right frame of mind with what we have to do to build the LPGA up and the tournaments up. So I don't know whether we can survive or not. I, I hope that, uh, uh, I hope, I hope that it can, but I also hope that there's, uh, places for those LPGA players to, uh, make more money somewhere down the road. I do.
1: Nancy, I want to switch gears and go back into your career, back to 1992, when you were the head professional at Hermitage Golf Club, and you hosted the Sarah Lee Classic. What was it like being the host professional of an LPGA tour event?
3: Pretty awesome. Actually, we signed the LPGA contract in 87, and we had our first event in 88. And so uh, we had uh, our first event, I was the head professional uh, and I was the director of golf. And uh, so I was able to see Patty Rizzo win the first and Kathy Postalweight and Okamoto and Nancy Lopez and Maggie Will, Meg Mallon, Laura Davies. We actually had such a great time with Laura Davies. She hit an, a a two iron out of a bunker in back of number 18T going to number 11 green and put it on, uh, the green and, uh, birdied that hole wow. and, uh, went on to win that. And so we had a playoff, uh, on Monday and we decided that anybody that could hit a two iron out of that bunker going across the fairway to number 11 green, we gave them a year round, uh, uh, green at Hermitage Golf Course. Mike Eller. And I, we hosted that event at that time. So the Eller family really, uh, brought me in and, uh, and like I said, when we opened our doors in 86, then two years later, we have a LPGA event and it was pretty cool. And, uh, so that went on to, uh, uh, be able to go through at Hermitage with the Sarah Lee all the way to 99. And then it went to the electrolyte. Tournament at Legends Club of Tennessee, and we had already moved our golf school over to Legends Club, and then the LPGA followed suit, not because of me, but I can say that it was, but it wasn't because of me. But uh, they uh, they followed suit with us going over to Legends Club, and then uh, Electrolux uh, went away after two years, and then uh, after three years, I'm sorry, and then it went to the Franklin American Mortgage Championship after that but in 92 my great friend Maggie Will won that tournament and it was blowing snow on mother's day weekend oh my 32 degrees 32 degrees and Maggie Will wins that tournament in 92 it was really fun so i you know it for me it was just a uh what a what a notch on the career to be able to um host an event, an LPGA. It was a three-day event. Um, it was a three-day event when we hosted it as a Cerely Classic.
1: Nancy, you just named a whole bunch of great LPGA Tour players in the story you just told. Who are some of the other great players that you've had an opportunity to sit down and talk to over the course of your career?
3: Well, you know, for instance, uh, uh, Posty, Kathy Postalwaite. Uh, great story. Her caddy was uh, uh, on the range uh, there in town and uh, somewhere else, and and she was uh, practicing or whatever, and and somebody came up and said, "Oh, I'm uh, uh, I'm going to Q school," and uh, and Posty and her caddy said, "Oh, really? Wow, that is awesome! Yeah, I'm going to Q school, the Nancy Corsellino School of Golf." This weekend, I'm going to learn how to play. Posty Phil <laughs> head to that day. I saw her at the, I saw her in a, uh, uh, in a, a tournament in, uh, I, I forgot what year it was or anything, but Posty says, I'll never forget that lady going. I'm going to the Q school. So a lot of my <laughs> social media is Q school because nobody can spell my last name. You know, it's, it's a tough name to spell and, and so the, I always put in the Q school is what it was because mine was the Nancy Corsellino school of golf. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Maggie Will was, uh, uh, still a great one, uh, you know, a great friend still on there. Uh, Barb Bucha, uh, she was a winner in 80, in 98. And, uh, when I coached collegiately at Western Kentucky, Barb played and uh not there for me, but Bard played it. So when I was a coach, a lot of these women played college golf. And I was a, a coach collegiately at uh Florida State and at Western Kentucky. And so uh I knew I play I got to play with Nancy Lopez in college. The one year that she was a freshman in college and I was a senior, uh she beat she beat me pretty handedly. But uh Nancy Lopez and I are still uh great friends. Uh she'll come up and uh uh at the PGA show or wherever and I've seen her and I've taught in some of her schools. Uh the last one I taught in was in twenty ten. And so we've been uh great friends for a long time and uh and so a lot of these women know me because of my affiliation with the Sarah Lee Classic back then and my affiliation when I was a collegiate coach. So I still see Michelle McGann, uh, quite often. And, uh, when I'm teaching down in Florida and, uh, uh, Sherry Turner, uh, again, Tammy Green, Kim Williams is here in town, things like that. Uh, I help, I help some with Amelia, Amelia Lewis, uh, on the LPGA tour, some with her. And I also help, uh, Lori Rinker, uh, on the, who's on the legend. Uh, so I do help her. Um, so I get to spend some time with some great people.
1: Speaking of time spent with great people, and you mentioned the PGA show, I saw that earlier this year you got to spend some time with some of the great LPGA professionals, great friends that have been here on the show, like my last guest, Cindy Miller, plus good friends like Kelly Stenzel and Debbie O'Connell. Talk about the time you got to spend with them.
3: Well, you know, what's so nice is that, yes, the PGA show came back, after the pandemic, and uh, it was a very intimate LPGA show and PGA show. And so to be able to uh, get an award with uh, the top 50 teachers in the LPGA and be in the room with, well, like Debbie O'Connell went to Western Kentucky and played on the basketball team there. So I've known Debbie for years. And uh, then to uh, sit and be able to spend time with Kelly Stenzel is just uh, uh you know a great, just a great wonderful person. Cindy Miller, just I, I listened to her uh, last few minutes there uh, when she was on just a minute ago. What a what a great person that she is and teacher. And these people are just uh, so incredibly talented with uh, how they how they promote themselves and how they teach and what they do to keep. Keep on keeping on and, and to do it. So, yeah, it's really fun to be able to spend time with, uh, with these women, uh, classy women, and uh, just a lot, of, a lot of good, good teachers out there that, uh, that the LPGA has, the professional league has.
1: Nancy, just a couple of more before I let you go. And I got to get a couple of playing lessons from you. And I watched some videos, and you've got a wonderful one on the short game. When we find ourselves maybe 5 or 10 yards off the green, we've short-sighted ourselves, so the pin is just a few paces onto the green. How can we hit a shot that goes up high, nice amount of spin, so when it lands soft, it grabs and stops?
3: Well, first of all, you've got to have the great wedge to do it with. You've got to have a good bounce on that wedge. So we have to make sure that you have the proper wedge when we're doing that shot. If it's on tight lies, you don't need a lot of... uh bounce so you've got to use a wedge that has a lot of loft but not so much bounce maybe 10 or 8 degrees of bounce when it's on okay and usually that's what you are when you're just off the green where you can't put it you can't bump and run it you've got to do it the other thing that i do and i i teach a uh, a college class online of short game and mental and so I am studying the short game all the time of great people that know, uh really, really know how to play and, and hit that shot well. Plus, you know, uh, with my own take of doing it, I, I narrow my stance. I turn my uh, front foot out so that I can put my weight on that front foot, but I don't open it by pulling it back. I just turn it out, put the weight forward, keep the hands fairly up and down vertical, and play the ball a little bit more off your back foot, which doesn't, a lot of people say, no, you to play it forward. I think that you can hit that high shot much better if you play it off your back right toe, okay? And so keep the hands vertical, up and down, so that you're going to actually let the club release. So you're going to let the club come through. You're not going to lead with those hands. Because if you lead with those hands, you're going to de that club and it's going to roll more out and you may stick it in the ground. So you want to keep that club flowing through the ground. So you want to use the bounce for as little of it as you can, but you want that club to come through. So I always tell people to go, uh, They they need to neutralize their grip, keep their hands very neutral like a putting style grip so that the hands are just on there, not like your full swing grip, neutral hands, then your club can come up playing on the follow through. So you want to come up the plane on the backswing, and it's a shaft plane that we're looking at, and coming through on a shaft plane on the follow through.
1: Nancy, let's talk setup. One of the things that I could use your help, and I'm sure many of our listeners can as well, is foot position. You have a simple drill that lets us know how much, if at all, we need to flare out both feet, one or the other foot. Talk about how to know if you need to flare out one foot or the other.
3: Well, today I had a, I finished up with a lesson today that the gentleman is 115 mile an hour club head speed and he's getting in front of the ball with his, uh, with his body and he's covering the ball. In other words, he's... He's not hitting it to the right. His club face is closed coming through. And so what he's doing, he's, he's spinning too much out, turning too much. So his body, his lower, his upper body is out racing his lower body. So uh, what I did was I opened his back foot and I turned it out so that I could sink everything back through. And since I was working on it with a driver, I didn't put his feet together to do that drill because it's not going to work with a driver. So I just flared the back foot out. Now, how you can figure that out, or maybe uh, if you have a partner, if you have somebody that holds their hand out in front, and you are going to come through and slap that hand, and you're going to stop it right at impact. Just take your backhand and hit somebody else's hand, and you're going to see if your lower body is outracing your upper body really significantly. If that's it, you're going to turn that back foot out. And a lot of times that people have too much turn on the follow-through, then I'm going to straighten their front foot, you know, and get it straight. So it depends on what's fast, what's not so fast. So a lot of times you need a little bit of a, uh, a video eye to see that. When I see somebody come through in their right leg, their back leg is already through at impact, then we've got to slow that leg down and do that by flaring the right foot. So it's a simple, it's a bio swing dynamic situation that you can learn how to do that with. Uh, and a lot of times it's just a matter of practicing. I did... I did his front foot out, foot out, and then we ended up with back foot out, front foot straight. And uh, that worked out best for him to hit that ball straight. So it wasn't his grip that made that ball go left. It was how much his body was moving, not in front of the golf ball, but was moving separate. Upper body was moving much faster than the lower.
1: Nancy, before I let you go... Let our listeners know, how can we stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, get some lessons from you, follow you, whether it's on your website or we do it over social media?
3: Well, thank you, Chris. It's My website is the four letters, com, And on that website, you can get online and do online video analysis with me where you can sign up and send me a video and I can be happy to help you with whatever uh, shop that it is that you want to. Uh, the class that I teach online is with Kaiser University, so you have to be a, a student of Kaiser. So uh, they won't be able to do that with me, but they can get on all, if they just Google my name, or get on my blog on my website, but you Google my name and all of a sudden you see tons of videos out there on YouTube. Again, Q School is a lot of what I do, Nancy Corsellino School of Golf uh, with social media. But if you just Google my name, Nancy Corsellino, uh, you'll be able to see a bunch of videos and hopefully it'll be able to help you with your golf game.
1: Nancy, thank you so much for coming back and joining me again tonight. Always so much fun. Always so informative. I really hope we get the privilege of having you back on the show again soon.
3: We will, Chris. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. You take care.
1: You too, Nancy. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you, sir. That is the great Nancy Corsellino. Q-U-A-R-C-E-L-I-N-O is the spelling of her last name. dot com is the website. At Q school on social media, folks, as instructors go, they don't come any better than Nancy Corsellino. There's a reason why she's in a hall of fame. There's a reason why she's a de facto top 50 LPGA instructor and top 100 in the game year after year. She's fantastic. That's a huge privilege to get to spend that kind of time with her, get some lessons. Be sure to check out her videos out there on YouTube. A lot of good playing lessons out there for you for free as well. So if you're trying to fix your game, Nancy Corsellino is someone you're going to want to reach out to. Before I get to my next guest, David Purcell, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies. And their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection, where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. The patented Joey Pouch technology delivers maximum comfort, fit, and performance while preventing any unwanted skin on skin contact or chafing. Good for anything from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. You can find these two underperformance briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields Sports stores, all PGA Tour superstores, Golf Galaxy, Dillard's, and other fine retailers near you. You can also order them online at 2under.com. That's the number two, UNDR.com. 200, performance in your pants. Use code NEXTT20, that's N-X-T-T-E-E-20, for a 20% discount on the two under website. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret the pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, Grip Golf Pride. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is David Purcell. David is the founder and CEO of Farm Links at Purcell Farms. Purcell Farms has been ranked as Alabama's number one all-access golf course for the last 10 years by Golf Week magazine. Golf Advisor is also ranked at the number one course in the state of Alabama. David is an Auburn alumni, graduated with his degree in commercial art. He founded Farm Links back in 2003, and it's an honor to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, David, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you,
4: Chris. Glad to be here.
1: David, there have been a lot of exciting things going on there at Purcell Farm since we spoke last year. You brought in Trip Davis to give the course a fresh visual component and change it strategically. Talk about some of the changes that Trip made.
4: Yeah, actually, uh, we, uh, we have been, uh, we're entering into our 19th year this year since the course opened and uh of course, it's gotten a lot of play, obviously people like it and uh um uh, but as as the course ages um uh, there are things that need to be uh looked into and repaired and uh our bunkers had had uh you know gotten old, the drainage was uh you know stopping up the course was built in two thousand and three, so it it had you know, that, that older technology type of, uh, drainage and, um, you know, the, the sand was a little bit discolored. It's still, you know, it was, it was, it was fine, but what we were finding is that, uh, you know, a lot of times you would put, to, to keep sand on the face of the bunker, uh, it would get a little bit too thick. And next thing you know, people are hitting into it and it would, uh, plug and basically almost be unplayable at, at times. So, um, so we hired, uh, Trip and, uh, he did a, he did a great job. I was so impressed. I, I, I was familiar. I'd heard of Trip before, but, uh, we have a, a partner now, uh, called Escalante Golf and they're, uh, they're actually out of, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, but, uh, They helped, they brought, uh, Tripp in and, uh, also David Welchel, uh, who was with Herds and Fry. Uh, he was the original, uh, he did the original routing of our course back in uh, the early 2000s. Uh, so what we wanted to do is to, uh, not just redo the bunkers, but really to rethink them and to maybe move some of them to reduce square footage. Uh, if possible and to eliminate some, we actually added some. So it was, it was very fascinating to watch Tripp, who, who, uh, you know, he himself was a terrific golfer, uh, at Oklahoma and, uh, he, he's an artist as well. Uh, I was so impressed just watching him design each bunker. He would, he would do a, a drawing. And then he would go out with a paint can and, uh, and we would talk about every bunker. We'd look at it from the tee. We'd look at it from the green, uh, and, and just try to think through, okay, what do we need to do to improve this hole visually? And certainly from a playability standpoint and, and then to eliminate, uh, any, uh, square footage of sand that we really didn't need. There was not necessarily strategic to the whole or maybe just you know we played it for so many years i mean there, there was literally a i've been playing this course uh since you know since it opened probably nobody's played it more than than myself and there were a couple of bunkers that i had never hit into and i'm like you know that's kind of crazy because yeah, i kind of spray the ball all <laughs> over the place but so we were able to eliminate some and uh Maintaining bunkers is one of the most expensive parts of golf course maintenance, and to do it to do it well um if you could start off with a properly designed bunker and that's what we've got now it' so so uh fun to be a part of that. It was almost as as fun watching farm links being built uh back in two thousand two and uh just to to see this this whole transformation of the, the look and the strategy and to make it more playable and easier to maintain.
1: David, talk about the bunker design and the drainage system and how you go about putting all of that together because you don't just dig a hole and throw some sand in it. Talk about how that whole draining system works.
4: Yeah, this one was a, was a little bit different. Uh, it's a pretty fair amount of engineering that goes into it. Uh, first of all, you want to try to eliminate any, um, you know, like runoff from other parts of the course to drain into a bunker. You want to kind of flash your bunker to where it eliminates as much of that as possible so that you, uh, you know, really what's the only, uh, water that you get into your bunker might either come from irrigation or from direct rainfall but not necessarily from a flow of water coming down a hill into a bunker so um so the the drainage actually is uh is engineered and every bunker is different that's the cool thing and these these guys they come in uh we this bunker solution uh, technology is kind of another step beyond, uh, the better Billy capillary bunkering. And they use this, uh, it's almost like a type of carpet. And, uh, they, first thing they do is they, they start off with the, uh, you know, uh, well, the first thing they did, they had to act, actually get rid of everything that was a component of the old bunkers. So literally we had to go dig all this stuff out and then go bury it uh out in the woods, sand uh, you know, any of the old pipe and stuff we had to dispose of and and then they come in and reshape the whole thing so it starts out uh in the dirt and they get all the you know they're, they're shooting elevations and things like that to make sure that uh they've They've got everything just right. Then they lay this, this. it looks like carpet to me, almost like a shag carpet, but the nap of it is uh, kind of what keeps the sand in place. It's white. The carpet is white, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's pretty robust. And so when you're going up a slope, the nap of the carpet actually is pointing up towards the sky so that when, when you get done with it, they, they put sand on it and the sand is not that, that thick. So you won't, you won't get a fried egg up there, but it does keep the sand in place. And then it also allows the drainage to kind of go down through the carpet. So the it keeps the sand in place and the, and the drainage kind of goes down below and then catch basin somewhere. So uh, pretty fascinating. Again, we've got about, uh, I, we started out with, uh, I think 67 bunkers on our property. And, uh, we really only eliminated, uh, a handful of bunkers and we actually added a couple of them as well. So we, we probably, uh, our goal was to try to get to eliminate about maybe 15% of the square footage of the bunkers. And I don't think we did, we did quite that much, maybe, maybe 10%. But, um, they, you know, they look so much better. We use, you know, this new type of sand that's, uh, very bright. And, uh, and in it, it, the bunker, it the bottom of the bunker is very, very playable. And then all the, where it rounds up to the edges just kind of creates a little bit of a bowl. So if you hit it, you, if you hit it to that, it'll generally roll back down.
1: David, you mentioned that part of the decision process to eliminate some of the bunkers were those that you had never hit into over the life of the course. Talk about that, but also talk about how you decided which ones to eliminate besides those, and how did you decide where the new ones needed to go?
4: Uh, it was just a collaboration between uh, Triff and his team and myself and, uh, and a couple of other people around here. We just kind of thought, okay, well, to add a little bit more nuance and challenge to a particular hole, most of the bunkers that we added were smaller bunkers that were placed, um, you know, to kind of force a shot uh, more uh, less direct at a green, but maybe a, a little bit more to the right or a little bit more to the left. So um, it uh, it it was. Literally every, every bunker was a different set or matrix of decisions. And we had, we had discussions and, uh, is I, I did not document the whole thing, but you know, sometimes we'd go full circle and we would, you know, we would eliminate a bunker and then we'd say, no, we're not going to eliminate. We're going to make it smaller. And then it's, okay, what we're going to do is break it up into two bunkers and then. Uh eventually we just kind of said, Okay, this feels right, paint it out on the ground and um you know, it's a, it's not a it's not a cheap it's not a cheap project either. Obviously we don't have as many bunkers as uh you know a lot of courses do, but um and our our project was about a million two. So if you think about that's that's a that's a pretty good cap capital cost. In and of itself. And we did it, uh, 19 years after we had, you know, built the original design.
1: You mentioned to go the trip is kind of like an artist. Well, you are an amazing artist and a graphic designer as well. Do you get to let your artistic eye interject ideas into any redesign projects for what it needs to look like when it's done? Well, I'm,
4: I'm a, uh, I'm a golfer. Uh, been a golfer pretty much my whole life. I was the only one in my family that was a golfer. And, uh, your, your last guest, uh, I caught up the, the, the tail end of, uh, Nancy's, you know, your, your, uh, time with her and she mentioned Kathy Polsterweight and yes. she called a Posty, but it, 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 it's a small world, but, uh Kathy Postalwaite's family moved to Sylacauga, Alabama which is where I'm from and uh they were he her father was a head golf pro and the superintendent and Kathy and her brother Kenny were both extremely good golfers and they were actually for for a time there were playing out of a uh, little Coosa Valley Country Club, which is a nine hole course. And when, when I heard that, I was like, man, I hadn't even heard her name in a long time, but, uh, I can remember playing, playing with her a couple of times just as a kid, but, uh, uh, but anyway, I, I, I just thought that was interesting, but yeah, so I'm a, I, I am a, uh, I'm an artist. Uh, I, I've done a lot of portraits of, of, uh, golfers and, uh, but also, you know, other people, uh, such as, uh, you know, Dr. Billy Graham and Martin Luther King and Dale Earnhardt. And, you know, a lot of times uh, somebody will pass away and I'll just kind of get the itch and want to do a portrait. And I did a lot of those uh, back when I was in the fertilizer business. And it seemed to work pretty well for me. But I am, I'm very visual. I I, uh, I have all these journals that I'm constantly filling up with just ideas of different things. Um, so when, you know, when, when Tripp came in here and he had his little pad and he was sketching some things, he and I really connected because he's a, he's an artist. He's a different type of artist than I am, but I really appreciated what he was doing and we were able to, uh, to have that connection. So. When, when Tripp would describe something that, you know, that he was trying to accomplish on a particular hole or with even, even a particular bunker, uh, we were just able to connect on that. And, uh, sometimes I, I could speak into it. I, I obviously let him do his thing because he's very good at it. And I'm, you know, I've, I've never designed a bunker in my life. However, I'm all about the golf experience. And want the experience to be, um, you know, very fun for, uh, the average golfer. Uh, you know, you want to have challenge for the, for the better golfer as well. And you can do that with links sometime and, 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 uh, strategically, you know, setting bunkers and, um, things like that. But I'm just, I'm, I'm all about just really. I want a, uh, if somebody comes out here and they, they come and shoot the best round of golf that they ever have. Uh, to me, that's, that's pleasing. And, uh, because the world's made up, there's a whole lot more, uh, you know, 10 handicap and above golfers than there are scratch and below. So. Right. Uh, I, and, and golf, yeah, you know, golf had a resurgence since COVID, but, uh, you know, before that, golf, golf had gotten perhaps a little bit too hard and, and, uh, and, and very time consuming and things like that. So, uh, I just, you know, I'm, I love, I love connecting with other artists any, any, in, in, in any shape, form or fashion, but in golf and landscape architecture, particularly. You know, I I really love that.
1: David, do you have any other innovations being tested out on the course now or maybe some coming up here on the horizon?
4: You know, we're um, we're always open to whatever. Back back in the day when we were, you know, we hosted over 10,000 golf course superintendents here back in the the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, we we had. We had innovations on every hole and we were partnered with some of the top brands in, in golf, uh, golf course maintenance. And what we would do is we would, uh, that nuance we sh- would showcase because these golf course superintendents that we were trying to sell, uh, our fertilizer product to, they were interested in anything that, uh, was new, was innovative. And that they could possibly embrace and take to their own course. So, uh, we did a lot of that B- much more then than now. Uh, you know, occasionally we'll, we'll have something new on the driving range or something new, uh, out on the course. We, uh, we started out with about 35 different grass types here. And, uh, but all that was for the fertilizer business that we had. Now that we're just into the golf business, it's, it's really more about just kind of maintaining, um, what, what we, you know, the business that we're in right now and trying to make it as efficient as possible.
1: David, talk about the other things that you have to offer there at the resort beyond the golf course.
4: Yeah. So, um, obviously. Uh, when, when we first opened, all we had was a golf course and a guest lodge. And so, uh, once we sold the fertilizer business, we had to go through a transformation and a rebirth of, uh, you know, the course was never built to be like a resort course, but once we sold the business, we had a public golf course that we needed you know we had people wanting to come out here and stay and and uh adding restaurants and um but now it's um uh, when you come into Purcell farms you'll first thing you pass is the Orvis shooting grounds and the the family that owns orvis uh which is you know known for their uh upland bird hunting and uh you know uh fly casting reels and rods and uh, and clothing line they have a a wonderful facility at the front side of uh of our uh our property and uh um, and so now we've got kind of the best in in the golf in Alabama public golf and then we've also got the best in shooting and fly fishing uh and and we do some some hunting out here so that's kind of cool then you come in we have a new in that, uh, we added 40 additional rooms, which is really, really nice. Uh, we added, uh, two restaurants to our clubhouse. So now we have three restaurants on property and we also have, um, a uh, wonderful wedding venue, which is a big business now. Um, and we are hosting sometimes, you know, two weddings a weekend. And uh we so we have a total of eighty one guest rooms here now. It's uh sometimes it's really hard to get a room just because of um the popularity of of the entire facility. We have thirty two hundred acres, we have horseback riding, we have a spa, we have uh U T V rides, we had axe throwing, wow. which is kinda cool. I still haven't done that, but uh but that's uh yeah I see people going out there and uh throwing an axe and hitting the bull'seye, so it's pretty cool so we we try to add new things like that all the time because if you're hosting people out here they're spending the night um the uh you know the idea is to to try to add as much entertainment as possible uh to keep them here for multiple days.
1: How can our listeners get more information about the resort? And then stay up to date with all the great things you guys are improving, adding, and doing there, whether it's on your website or it's through social media.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, obviously we have, uh, you know, Facebook page, uh, and, uh, we also, our, uh, website is com. Great website and uh um, it's got everything you know you literally you can you can be on the website for about two minutes and see you know the, the the grand overview and again it's a big property it's got elevation up to 1100 feet so there's a lot to see uh for anybody who comes here and then last thing i'll i will uh remind you is uh you know we we do have one of the most picturesque golf holes in in all of golf, but certainly in the southeastern United States, it's, uh, it's our hole number five and it drops 170 feet from T to green. It's just a great par three and it's, uh, you know, built into the Appalachian mountains, right into the foothills. So there's, it gives, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of photos that are circulating about that hole.
1: David, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the show tonight and for everything you're doing out there at Purcell Farms. It's fantastic stuff. I wish you a lot of luck. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again real soon because you're fantastic, my friend.
4: Thank you, Chris, for allowing me to be on your show.
1: Take care, David. All the best to you and your family and everyone at Purcell Farms. Looking forward to catching up with you again soon. That is David Purcell of Purcell Farms, the number one course in the state of Alabama. You heard about how picturesque the whole number five is. Well, the whole course is fantastic, folks. Go online and check it out for yourself. Looks fantastic. And then as you heard, you've got so many other options for things to do during your stay and play there. So whether you and your buddies, you and your wife, you you love golf, but you also want to have some other things to do over a long weekend. They give you a lot of options. So David and what they are doing there is just outstanding. Looking forward to having him back on the show again real soon. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tea. My sincere thanks go out again to Brian Jacobs, Cindy Miller, Nancy Corsellino, and David Purcell for joining me tonight. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, will be back. Another one of the top instructors in the game, Debbie O'Connell, will be here. Always have so much fun when Debbie's a part of the show. Former commissioner of the LPGA and author of the new book, Arnie and Jack, Charlie Meacham will be making his third visit to Next on the Tee. Looking forward to having Charlie back as part of the show. And then we'll round it out with a visit from Stephen Yellen. Stephen teaches the fluid motion method. He has worked with our good friend Scott McCarran, plus other players like Lee Jansen, Trevor Immelman, and Robert Allenby as well. So looking forward to having him as part of the show. It's gonna be a great one, folks. I hope you'll come back and join me. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcasting app out there, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Podbean, just to name a few. Please check out our website, next on the t.net to see what our upcoming guest schedule looks like. Plus we've got links for you there for A lot of recent episodes, individual guest segments. So whether you've got two hours or 20 minutes, we've got some great content on there for you as well. Folks, I can't thank you all again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I know there are a lot of great golf podcasts out there. I really am thankful you continue to make Next on the Tee part of your golf content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.